Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Angel Podcast. I'm Michael Conniff, your host today. This podcast is for, guess what? Angel investors, venture capitalists, family offices, investment firms, and uh, people who are interested in startups and founders and entrepreneurs. And it is a companion podcast to the Accelerator. Um, We are on all the major platforms. Um, You can also now find us on Substack, where we're going to be doing more and more. And we just sent out a mass mailing, uh, which is exciting. Over 5,000 people opened up our email and took a look. So that's really great. Um, And uh, we want to remind you to rate and rank and review and share uh, the podcast, both The Accelerator and The Angel. We'd be very grateful. Today, I am joined by an extremely talented entrepreneur, Christian Facey. He is the CEO and founder of Audio Mob. Welcome, Christian. Great to Hi, have Michael. you. Hi, Michael. Great to be here. I really, really appreciate the uh, the invite. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you are coming to us um, from New York City, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now now based in uh, New York. Now your accent betrays you a little bit. You're from England. <laughs> from London. From London town yeah. of all places. Yeah. No, that's great. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about uh, about your background, uh, but you're an interesting person because you could have easily been on either podcast, The Accelerator or The Angel. I decided it would be better to have you on The Angel because uh, you're not only a founder, but you are uh, got some interesting investments. And one of those investments is with Presto, the social media um, uh, and creator site, uh, creator influencer site. So uh, that's how you and I met through Courtney Presto. So we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we spend some time on, on Presto toward the end of the podcast. But let me let me ask you, um, Audio Mob is so interesting. Why don't you describe it to us in um, kind of in condensed fashion? What's the short form version of what Audio Mob is and does? Yeah, sure. So Audio Mob, we're the inventors of in-game audio advertising. So to give you an example, mm-hmm. a video ad that you may have watched in the past that might be a bit annoying. Let's say you're using an app, one pops up, or you're playing a video game and want a reward video ad makes you wait 30 seconds, stops your app experience. So what we do instead is imagine, let's say you're racing a car, you crash the car and you want uh, to get your car rebuilt so you can continue the race. Usually you'd have to wait 30 seconds and watch a video ad. With us, imagine that the the car is rebuilt and an audio ad plays out of the radio. So you can listen to the ad and continue playing the game. So what we've invented is a a non-intrusive mechanism uh, for games and apps uh, using audio. Interesting. Now, I'm uh, one of my pet thieves themes lately. My pet peeves is that advertising advertising in general is pretty broken and certainly um, eligible for disruption, which is part of what you're doing here. How did you get this idea um, uh, to to in a, unobtrusively put ads, audio ads into video games, into, into video games? How did you come up with that? So. Um... I used to work at Google as a strategist. So I managed around $100 million for the company and I got a really good understanding of the advertising ecosystem. And outside of work, I started developing my own mobile video games. So I'm a massive gamer, started developing my own games to get an idea of the, of the ecosystem. Then I uh, crossed over to Facebook to become a science partner. So that's measuring the true value of ads and how uh, uh, someone is kind of influenced along a purchasing funnel on, on Facebook or meta-owned uh, uh, properties like Instagram, for instance. 
And um, outside of work, I've always developed my own music as well. So I'm a massive fan of hip-hop and jazz music and developed this music. I actually met my co-founder and CTO, Wolfred, uh, at Google. Uh, he's an ex-engineer of JP Morgan, uh, Goldman Sachs, and of course, Google. And we started looking at uh, a variety of different things. While I was streaming music into games, uh, so I made these like chilled out, like Japanese watercolor artwork puzzles, stream chilled out music that I was making. And it was like a nice experience. But to monetize the players, I kept blocking them in videos, which was getting annoying. So as I met Wolfred, we started looking at streaming audio ads instead. And uh, this was just a little fun project we were working on. But we soon noticed that there was no mechanism in place to stream an audio ad into a mobile game, which we thought was an obvious idea, considering what we were trying to do. And when we figured out it didn't exist, that's, that's a light bulb moment. We were like, this actually could be a multi-billion dollar idea because you've got tens of billions of dollars in the um, audio ad industry. And you've got a hundred billion dollar mobile industry, which is going to grow to around $300 billion uh, by 2030. So we left our companies and we, we generated the pitch. We put all our investment into a, a minimum viable product. And as they say, that the rest is history. So that, that's how we came up with the idea. How long ago was that? Uh, this was in 2020, so you know the worst year to start a business in the last 50 years, perhaps. But um, yeah, that, we raised our first two million dollars uh, throughout 2020. Yeah, that's when you started it. So <clears throat> it, it's like a lot of ideas. It seems obvious after you do it, maybe not before you do it. But um, what did you learn about advertising at Google and Facebook? What What did you see? Uh, you know, other not just audio ads, but what did you see about advertising that really cried out for change? Um, it was, that, that, that's, to be honest, no one's really asked me that. So um, one of the- uh, Oh, really? oh boy, that's, that seems obvious, an obvious question, so. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, some of the things that we saw, we, we learned and we saw. So you've got the idea that there is this massive, massive complex ecosystem, tens of billions of dollars, kind of, um, well, hundreds of billions of dollars um, rolling through all these ecosystems. And what we found is that the audio programmatic ecosystem and the video programmatic ecosystem, while they are similar in uh, title, in terms of you've got ad exchanges and DSPs and you've got advertisers and publishers, etc., cetera, um, they are completely separate. So a number of assumptions were made by the two parties, which is why something so obvious wasn't connected. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when you send a video ad to a user, right? There are various tracking signals, so you know if the user's watched the whole ad, right? Everything now these days is designed around Spotify's ecosystem or podcast, right? Because when someone listens to Spotify, they are never going to mute it, like 99.5% of the time. That is an assumption, but with a game, it could, the audio states could be very different. It could be on, could be off, listen to music, like the mute switch could be on, the phone could be ringing, all these different states. So mm. what we learn is like how to thoroughly analyze a very advanced ecosystem. And it, it, it gave us an idea of what to look for. And then to figure out what assumptions were made in these ecosystems. And the assumption that is made that we then identified we could demystify, that's where you uncover the billion dollar idea. So it was really getting a grounding on, on, on how to analyze like a very complex ecosystem. And then other things like the way that Google, um, um, the way that Google 
does things in terms of approaches and the engineering of products and, and how Google X is, you know, R&D lab works. We learn a lot of stuff there. I learned personally from Facebook, you know, Facebook Reality Labs, why does it exist? Why do R&D labs exist, etc. So, So we learn about um, how the whole role of R&D works alongside a core business and influences the core business as well as kind of help, helps you uh, increase your valuation through, you know, far thinking um, ideas. Um, and in terms of, you know, selling to clients, like if I could roll up to a big agency and talk about a deal worth 10K, which I was doing in 2021, or deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars, which I'm doing now. So having that gravitas and how to approach different people at different levels in order to drive large deals without, you know, getting nervous or fumbling over. Um, I think, yeah, me and Wolf were in privileged positions to work at those two companies because, again, you know, they are literally the biggest advertising companies in the world. So how did you learn how to do that part? Um, I'm, I'm sure lots of people listening. Oh, how do I do that? How do I how do I learn how to do and go in and ask for hundreds of millions of dollars in deals? What 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 changed within you or or the way you projected yourselves yourselves to the world? So it was a mixture of uh, pitching yourself um, to various advisors because what 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 something I always say is that when you have a good idea, it can pretty much get you into any room. But it's what you do when you're in that room, right? You want investment, you want advisors, you want an uh, in, in, in some, some kind of other, you know, business relationship. So um, me and Wilfred got pretty good at pitching our ideas to get into those rooms. And then the first thing we're asking for was advisors. We wanted advisors um, to, to educate us as to how to scale and pitch the company at the levels we were at. So when we were first going out and trying to, you know, pitch for tens of thousands of dollars, while I did that at Google and I knew the structure, there are certain nuances to, well, sometimes not nuances, sometimes it's obvious. Pitching uh, with Google as the brand behind you versus an unknown startup are two very mm. different things. So um, figuring out how to do that, were again, we had a group of advisors at the seed stage of the company, the, uh, the seed uh, stage of the company, and now our growth stage as well. So it's really just getting um, lots and lots of advisors. And what you'll find is that lots of investors will come on as really like noteworthy investors with big tickets, but also be able to offer you stellar advice uh, as well. So it was really that ad ad uh, advisory investment network that we leveraged at each stage of our, um, our growth. What was the best piece of advice someone gave you and who gave it to you? Hmm. Best piece of, I get a lot of good advice, uh, these days. Uh, let me, let me think, let me think. Okay, so the best piece of advice I got, I think it was around our, yeah, so there's, there's two bits of advice. So the first one was to pitch like an American. And what that means, <laughs> okay. what, what that means is what you'll find is in Europe, um, investors and, and, and founders are very conservative from the sense of they pitch what is um, very realistic within like a three to four year period. Now, I'm not saying do not pitch uh, realistic numbers. I am saying pitch the bigger vision and pitch uh, what that vision looks like further out. So I was kind of stuck initially in pitching you know, this whole three to four year vision. 
Um, but then I started reading up um, as to you know how you know founders out of Silicon Valley pitch, right? Why are they raising tens of millions of dollars at seed? while at seed you can raise one to two million dollars if you're lucky in Europe. And the whole idea was the the the, the data in the pitch is the same, but the 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 far forward view or way of pitching, right? The, the seven, eight years when you get to a billion dollars, how do you scale from not one dollar a month to uh hundred thousand a month? How do you scale to a million a month, ten million a month? And you have that story and you pitch that instead. And that is the reason why um, we, we got um, a really good Series A valuation. So pitching like an American, pitching the bigger vision, so you get access to the bigger money um, is key. And then the second thing, and I say this wherever I go, uh, read the book Growth Hacker Marketing by Ryan Holiday. Have to read that book because the advice that the, it's a big book, but the single piece of advice I got from that book is basically to um, use trial and error and test every idea, even the ideas you think aren't going to work. So you have data on specific ideas. And these mm -hmm. are um, ideas in terms of how it could be how to grow a business, how to get a client, how to get some PR. It teaches you a mindset that educates you how to um, work around and get out of growth related problems. And that book is mm -hmm. why AudioMob was able to pivot out of uh, the 2020 pandemic successfully. And uh, it's Growth Hacker. What's the full title? Uh, growth Hacker Marketing by Ryan Holiday. Okay, by Ryan Holiday. I am writing that down. I will read that. Great. Um, that's exciting. That's interesting. And now tell us a little bit about your background. Um, you're a coder now. You're an entrepreneur. You're an angel. Um, you're from London. What, what's your, what was your journey like? Um, so... It, it, so my journey from oh my, where where should I start? Where would you like me to start from? Uh, um, from so so I I don't I don't know you that well, Christian. I don't know if you grew up in an affluent family, a poor family. Um, I don't know any. I don't know where you went to school or any of those things. So I'm just curious um, where how you got started because you end up doing what you're doing. You end up working at Facebook and Google. Uh, you're obviously a, uh, a super smart guy, so there's no question of that, of that. But but how did you know what when when did the dream begin and and how did you pursue it? Let's put it that way. Okay, okay. So yeah, so that's a really really good question. So um, I always knew that I wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur since I was around seven seventeen or so, and. Um, I always had family friends um, that were successful entrepreneurs. My dad uh, worked for himself, uncles, uh, mentors, etc. And um, I basically went through a trial and error process of trying to figure out uh, how to increase my aptitude to do something like this. Um, when I was 17, I failed all of my uh, uh, A-levels. So for many of you that don't know, these are exams that take for going to university or college. Um, so I failed, failed all of that. Um, at 16, 17, and when I was 17 and 18, I was like, okay, I need to retake all of these in one year because I don't want to repeat a year of school to figure out how to get into university and just adopt a trial and error process of figuring out how my mind works. And what I, what I would do is, because I'm a practical learner, I was doing things like taking, uh, uh, I was um, taking an economics class, need to prove an economics. So I started an events business to get some cash together 
invest that cash in the foreign exchange because I really like the idea of foreign exchange trading. So I was doing all these different things and that carried on throughout um, university. Didn't get into a great university, but the, the mindset was still there. And um, again, this whole trial and error process in terms of getting work experience, improving my grades, I went from failing to getting straight A's, uh, getting uh, internships, testing out entrepreneurial product uh, projects. And I took that right through to the end of university when I got all A's, a first class degree, that's like a 4.8, a 4.0 GPA. Um, and then I decided, okay, I have an offer from Google. I want to be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to reject this offer from Google and go into a startup and see how that works. Because I knew I wanted to start a business. And then um, what happened was I, uh, the startup was run very badly and I learned how firsthand how to run a startup badly because of the way that was managed. Failed after nine months, went back to Google with my hat in hand and I was like, hey, could I have my old job offer back with nine months more experience? They said yes, had a very quick interview process. And um, then I started really learning about advertising and I was like, okay, if I can go from a failing student like you know, four and a half years ago to working at one of the world's best companies, I wonder if I could learn to code and build video games. And once I did that, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I can try and figure out this whole entrepreneur thing and actually try and, and talk to engineers, right? And I started reading up on you know, Steve Jobs and um, Haido Kojima, uh, who's a, a very famous uh, game developer in the Metal Gear Solid series. He couldn't code either. And it's like, how do these amazing entrepreneurs command the respect of like the world's best coders, but they can't really code, right? They might do a little bit, but they can't really code. So I started learning yeah all these things, go to hackathons, et cetera. And it was basically like a snowball effect. Like once I could figure out that I could learn this really hard thing, I, I, I suddenly realized, oh, wow, if I, if I could put my mind to, uh, to anything, uh, I, I could really learn it and, and use it to my advantage. Um, so I still think like that to this day. And obviously when it comes to like investing, how can I pick the right startup so my portfolio looks great? So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a long, a short version of a long story, but um, yeah, I was really figuring out how my mind works and then figuring out what aspects of entrepreneurship I wanted to learn to become successful. So what's interesting, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it reminds me in, in, the, in the States of the Michael Jordan story, um, the basketball player. He, he got cut from his high school basketball team. And he became the best player in the world. So you sort of, sort of say to yourself, how, do you, how did he do that? Um, in your case, you're, um, you have been able to, you took this, the standpoint that, well, I failed. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it better the next time. And so it seems like you have, if I'm, if I could paraphrase a little bit, you've kind of, um, incorporated failure as a path to success. In other words, I don't know how to do this. Um, a lot of people would just like, give up, I guess, you know, I couldn't, I don't feel like I could learn how to code. We uh, just had a little technical difficulty, but we are going to plunge on here. I think, you know, I think that an, how an entrepreneur uses failure or fails to use it in, in many cases is a, is a defining characteristic. And in your case, it seems like it's almost like uh, you didn't look at it as failure. You're like, I'm going to learn how to do this. And in order to learn how to do this, I'm going to kind of stumble along. I'm going to figure it out. That's how I would put it. You're like, I'm going to figure this out. 
even though I'm not going to know how to do it right away. Is that is that fair? Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Okay, so um, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, I, I want to just to mention um, in the case of Google, um, in in particular, in particular, um, it's uh, what's so interesting to me about advertising at Google is um, for, when they developed the uh, the Dutch the auction system. Um, people at Google did not want to do it. They thought it would kill ruin Google. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that, but but there were a lot of people were against advertising at Google, and then uh, the rest is history. <laughs> Basically, that's the thing, the one thing that has worked at Google and pr provides most of the revenue, like the vast majority of the revenue, right? And all the other stuff is sort of paid for by that this one advertising. So let me ask one question. I'm going to indulge myself a little bit. So is ChatGPT going to and Google's hegemony in search advertising? It's a really, really good question. And um, all I know, and I was speculating on this uh, uh, a couple of weeks back, someone is probably getting into trouble for missing that opportunity to invest in ChatGPT that Bing got. Um, Either that or being just paid through the nose valuation-wise or something, right? But I, I don't think it will it will end Google. I think that Google is worried and they're going to over-index on figuring out how to create a good competitive product. Because what we've got to remember is that, you know, I think if a search engine has 1% of the market, they're a multi-billion dollar company, like automatically, right? And um, even if Google loses a couple of percentage points over a couple of years, that's more than enough time for them to create a competing product and then implement it into the search engine. So I think they're going to lose a couple billion dollars, <laughs> to be honest, in the, uh, in the interim. But um, there, there is no way in hell that they would, um, uh, that it would, that it, they would let this kill them. Um, the only thing I can think of, <laughs> if their product doesn't work or whatever it is, is they'll probably try and buy ChatGPT or something, right? So, um, yeah, I think it will hinder them, but not not destroy them. Interesting. So, okay, let's let's shift a little bit. So, uh, to Christian Facey, the angel investor, um, I mentioned Presto. You've invested there. Um, what characterizes your investments, and what do you look for? So. A really scalable idea, and what I mean, because that's quite a cliche term, but like the addressable market has got to be, it's got to be a decent sized and growing, right? It doesn't have to be like hundreds of billions of dollars, but a good, a good, a good few billion dollars and, and growing in double digits. That's a very typical investment metric. Um, I, outside of that, I mean, you know, a good idea is a good idea, right? It's quite easy to see a good idea in a, in a scalable market, but the the key thing I look for now are founders that are detail oriented, right? So, for instance, one that actually has a data room. I'm talking about data room at like a seed stage or even a pre pre seed stage now. Are they able to take on board the feedback and not try and cut corners in order to give you the data that you want? That is something that is so 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 important because uh, if they cut corners uh, now, they're going to certainly try and do it um, later. Um, the the, the thesis that I actually have, uh, and I might as well mention it here, uh, 
I'll mention it at a high level. Well, I've got a thesis for, for a fund that I think I'll eventually open. And the idea is um, uh, to analyze how to analyze how much a founder has struggled and overcome certain obstacles in order to get to where they are. I think this is overlooked by so many different, well, too many VCs actually. And every investment that I've made uh, uh, in 2022 is significantly up because outside of the good idea, the scalable market, can the founder pitch, all that normal stuff is figuring out, has the founder actually overcome severe obstacles, right? And that's not just business-wise, that's also personal. And every founder that has either taken insane risks to get to where they are or have overcome personal and business obstacles have been very, very successful. So I'd say that that is a key, key thing that I, I look for. And I know VCs don't generally look for those specific things. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's worked out well for me so far in the uh, small number of investments that I've made. That's so interesting. Can you give an exa example of a founder and an issue that, that was overcome that led you to say, I, I want to invest in this guy or this woman? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of uh, a founder that was a previous employee of AudioMob, actually. So we were just about to raise our, uh, our Series A. Founder's called um, Adrian, um, uh, and it's comes with True Players. It's a, a gaming company, and they came up with this really interesting me mechanism where uh, they saw that you know hyper casual didn't really have um, longevity in terms of these games where you know you, you adopt them for two weeks and throw them away and download another one. Um, and, he, and he came up with like a, a mechanism that combines like the, the aspect of a triple A game with a hyper casual gaming mechanism. So you've got something that's really simple to play, but it looks like. Uh, a very well-funded AAA RPG kind of thing. So we're talking with Christian Facey of uh, Audio Mob, and he and he likes adversity, adversity overcome in founders. And uh, one of those founders worked for you. So tell us more about him. Yeah. So um, Adrian is uh, a CEO of a gaming company, a mobile gaming company called True Players. And uh, he came up with a very interesting mechanism. This is a AAA uh, uh, looking kind of game, uh, or at least takes the concepts of AAA games, but has used the, uh, the, the mechanisms of a hyper casual game. Um, so it's very easy to play, but it looks great. It's a really, really genius idea. And I remember when I saw this game, I was like, this is amazing. This isn't just some side project. This is like a, an actual amazing, uh, amazing uh, concept. And I always encourage, you know, encourage employees, you know, if they're going to work on their own things, do it. It's fine. You can do it at audio mods. Make sure you get your work done kind of thing. So I'll have a conversation with Adrian every now and then uh, in terms of, you know, the progression of the game, issues that he was having, just a general chit chat. And some of the issues he was having in terms of large studios really uh, uh, <laughs> like taking a look at like a game demo that he's made and put on LinkedIn and then uh, decided to try and copy the games. Like, you know, there, there were some real issues. However, um, he kept, kept working on the game and he started winning all these massive competitions, regardless of the uh, bigger studios kind of copying his stuff. And he started getting investment interest. Now, this was just before the Series A. Now, um, AudioMob's uh, valuation 10x and um, Adrian decided 
uh, that, you know, now, as inconvenient as it was <laughs> for him to kind of leave because he's an amazing employee and the company's about to raise a Series A, like now was the time for him to uh, um, uh, kind of take the leap and, and start his own company. And, you know, I, I took off my CEO hat when I had a, I had a chat with him. Oh, Michael, you still there? How much did you hear of that? Yeah, we're here. Yep. So you, you had a chat with him. What did you say? Okay, great. So I had, 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 had a chat with him, took off the CEO hat, and I was like, okay, as a founder, I'm obviously going to say chase your dreams because nothing beats the dream, right? But you realize that we have signed a term sheet with one of the world's best gaming investors. This is Maker Fun. The shares are about to 10x. I just want you to know what you're giving up. All the competition and the struggles and the fact that we just got a pandemic. Like, I want you to like really realize what you're giving up to chase the dream. And he's like, he completely understands it. And you know, he's got a wife and kids, right? So it's not like you know me that doesn't have you know those kinds of commitments. And um, he made the jump. He successfully raised, and I I backed him and invested myself. I mean, I was actually in a position where uh, a really big angel group was like Christian. We really need your advice here in terms of should we invest in Adrian or not? And I told him this whole story. I was like, he, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have done that if I was in this position, but he, he made the leap. He overcame all these different obstacles. And, and now he's, he's raised money. His runways like over two years, considering what's going on. Uh, he's getting traction. It's going really well. And yeah, like that, 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 that's the example. Like a founder that kind of literally risked it all. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. the timing felt right and, and he's really doing it. So but just what do you see in the future for you? Not just in your future, but, you know, sort of the career horizon future. What would you really like to be doing in 20 years? So I don't ask any. So you ask yeah, I don't ask people this question. I, I don't think I've ever asked this before, but I, I, I think it's pretty clear that you're going to have a long career in this. God, God willing, and if the creek don't rise. So, what what would you like to be doing in uh, you know in ten years, in twenty years? So the I've not been asked this question either on a, on a podcast. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I see myself definitely have IPO'd audio mob uh, within the next ten years. Hopefully, within the next five to six, we'll see what happens. Um, and I definitely. I definitely think that I'll, I'll start a VC fund after Audiomob uh, is IPO'd and kind of, you know, completely stable uh, in growth mode or hyper growth mode. I definitely see myself starting a VC fund. Um, there's all these different theses that I'm coming up with. And, and that's why I want to get into angel investing. I'm thinking of building a portfolio for when I start a VC fund, hopefully in, you know, six, seven, eight years, uh, depending on when I, I, Audiomob IPOs. That, that's... Definitely something I want to I, I want to explore. Well, listen, Christian, um, I want to thank you for being on the Angel, despite the technical difficulties. My my apologies for that. The gods of the internet were against us a little bit, but that's adversity, right? It's all about adversity, and uh, and and pushing through it. Um, and I want to remind everybody the Excel, the uh, Angel and the Accelerator on all the major platforms on. Um, YouTube for video and audio, also on Spotify for both, and then on a dozen others, Audible, Amazon, you name it. Uh, and a big presence now on Substack. So check us out there, rate us and rank us and tell your friends and share us and do all those things. Again, Christian, great job. Really appreciate you hanging in there with us today. 
And um, I think you uh, you have as bright a future uh, as anybody I've met uh, in the startup space. So best of luck to you. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks for having me. My pleasure.